Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this Christmas season. We ask that you'd bless us today with your word, that you would speak to us and allow each and every one of us to go home with the words you have for us for this week and for the new year. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as I look out on the room, I see we are a full house, which is so wonderful. Uh, but we also have a few people looking for seats. So this is the perfect opportunity. Now everyone's seated. You can see where things are open. And if you do have seats in between, you just squeeze together. Got a few seats over here. So, and a few in the front. I know everyone loves to sit in the front. Merry Christmas, everybody. I have good news for you in the Anglican Church. The Christmas season lasts a lot more than just one day. Yes, thank you. And that's really good news for some of us. So I belong to the elite club of those of us who were stricken with plague this year and who missed the Christmas services. I know many of you in this room, as I look out, I see many of you who were experiencing similar woes. And so good news for you is that today you get to sing your Christmas carols with your brothers and sisters. And so for some of us, this is our Christmas service today. Um, And so... How wonderful is that? So I did attend uh, this week after my wife and I finally were able to leave the house again. Uh, We went up to Colonial Williamsburg for a few days using our time off to have some vacation. And uh, in Colonial Williamsburg, they actually have a lot of skits where they reenact historical realities from people's diaries, et cetera. And so we saw a wonderful skit where uh, they talked about how they were almost going to have to cancel the Christmas ball because so many people were sick, they called it the Christmas compliments. So apparently throughout history, uh, the Christmas compliments are those wonderful gift of sickness that happens to come because of the weather around Christmas time. And that just encouraged me to know I'm not alone, but I'm part of a long tradition of people at Christmas wondering if they're going to get to have that Christmas ball. And today we have that ball together. So how wonderful is that? So uh, throughout this Christmas season, what we do is we reflect on the incarnation. For many of us Christians, especially those of us who grew up in an evangelical background, we're really good at talking about the cross of Christ, right? So if I ask you, what's the gospel? You will say that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and that is so true, and we are so thankful for that. But there's also the good news that Christ became man, and with him God lives with us, Emmanuel. This is part of the gospel. And this is a part of why Anglicans love to do the church year the way they do it is so that we reflect on these different aspects of the good news. And so today we're going to talk about why is it good news that Christ became man. And for that, we're going to take a look at Galatians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you or if you have one in the seat in front of you, if you'd open up with me to Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through chapter 4, verse 7. That'll be the passage that we'll be looking on today. And like a good preacher, I have three points for us today. Christ is for us, Christ is with us, and Christ is in us. Christ is for us, Christ is with us, Christ is in us. So we'll start with our first point. Christ is for us. Verse 23. And before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. 
But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Christ is for us. The whole chapter here of Galatians, what Paul is doing is he's actually going through salvation history to remind people of the wonderful truth of justification by faith. So as Paul goes through the story of Abraham and the story of Israel, what he's laying out here is that it has always been about faith in God. So how many of you, if I were to ask you what the point of the Old Testament is, would say, Back then, people were supposed to earn their salvation by working really hard. And now we have Jesus, so we don't have to work that hard anymore, right? That sometimes is the way we understand the Bible. But Paul's laying out the story of Israel, and he's laying out that this is what it was actually always about from day one. When God chose Abraham to be a blessing for all the nations, not just Israel, for all the nations, he chose a people where he was going to teach them who he is, and how good he is, so that one day this message of the goodness of God could go out to the whole world. And so here in the book of Galatians, what's happening is a bunch of Gentiles have received that blessing, which is wonderful because that's what it was always about. Abraham was to be a blessing to the whole world. And so some Gentiles, like most of us here in this room, unless you happen to be uh, a descendant of the people of Israel, most of us in this room are not, and we have been made part of this wonderful blessing. But with that, nonetheless, some of these Gentiles had a misunderstanding, and so Paul's correcting this misunderstanding. You see, they thought that Jesus was just like any of the other prophets, who they, the prophets would come and they would get people really excited to follow the law again, right? They would, they would revive people's spirits. They would come and they'd say, you need to follow God. Right? And so they thought Jesus was a good example who came to give us the example of how we should live, which meant living the way that Israel has always lived, which means following that wonderful law that God gave to Moses. You see, Paul's view of the law is that it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It is a good thing. He refers it to it as a guardian. You see, what happened was in ancient Greek culture, especially those who were wealthy, what they would do is they would hire someone to teach their children, right? And so those people who were taught or to, hired to be a tutor, they would teach the kids, they would make sure they get educated, make sure they go to school. But at the end of the day, it all had one purpose, which is that one day they would mature into the people that they were always meant to be. And so what Paul is saying here is that this wonderful law that God gave, it always had the purpose of being a hired hand to teach my children so that one day they would grow up into the people that they were supposed to be. And here's the good news. Christ came to be with us. Christ is here, and this is the culmination of the entire purpose of salvation history. And this means something, and it means something wonderful. It means that Christ is for us, that God is for us. You see, I think that when we think of God, a lot of times we think of God as looking at us and saying, we'll see if you, if you make it, right? We'll see if you're good enough. And I think that even those of us who believe in Jesus, this is often how we think of God. And so what these people are saying here in Galatians is we need to work really hard to make sure that God is for us. And what Paul is saying is God is for you so much that he sent his son to become man to be with you. This is the good news. So throughout my 
uh, Christmas compliments. Um, I had many, many moments to sit in my chair and relax, which is wonderful. Um, but at one point, the TV just kind of wore out of its magic, and I was actually bored of all the things I was watching, which is a good thing. And so I opened up my iPad and I did some things that I like to do, which is genealogy research. So I don't know how many of you are a nerd like me, but I love looking into the history of my family, seeing where I'm from. And I hit a, mostly a dead end a couple of years ago. And so I thought, maybe I'll just check again and see if I could get further. And so as I was reading some very obscure uh, documents about the history of my family, one of the cool things that I found out that I didn't know before, even though I've been to the village where my family lived in Germany, et cetera, uh, is that they lived in a village that was right next to an area where there was a castle called the Zabobuog, which is a interesting name. And it turns out that back in the day when the Brothers Grimm were writing the fairy tales that Disney has made famous, uh, that this castle, they came by this castle and said, That's, that must be the castle where Sleeping Beauty uh, happened, right? And so to this day, it's actually called the Sleeping Beauty Castle. Now, I doubt that Sleeping Beauty ever actually happened, but to the, from, from that day forward, they said, this must be the castle where Sleeping Beauty was. And so this was burned into the imagination of the people around that area. And so this got me into reading, and I read about other fairy tales. And one fairy tale that I came across that, uh, that was just interesting to read about was the famous story of Cinderella. So how many of you know the story of Cinderella? Very good. It's a very well-known story. So in the story of Cinderella, of course, you have something that has actually been conveyed in so many cultures throughout the world. This fairy tale exists in about a thousand different versions, in different languages, in different cultures, with slightly different variations. But for some reason, this story has fascinated people from what feels like the beginning of time. The idea that this poor, low, humiliated woman was lifted up by this prince into a status of glory and restoration. This story, for some reason, has inspired so many of us for so long. And I thought that was really interesting to think about in light of our sermon today. You see, we, we connect with the story of Cinderella for one specific reason. We are all longing for the feeling of love and acceptance and glory and worthiness and restoration. We're all longing for this feeling. And the rejection that Cinderella faces, we connect with this rejection. And so here, when we find out that Christ came, that he is for us, that he's lifted us up into a state of glory and honor, this is good news for us today. But what's really interesting about uh, the story of Cinderella is in the German version, my German ancestors, they were a lot more realistic. So the, the version that, that Disney has made so famous for us today, it is actually from uh, the French version, which is a lot more romantic. I will tell you, my German ancestors were a lot less romantic, and they were a lot more realistic. And so the name, for, the name Cinderella, it's associated with the idea of the cinders, which is, you know, if you worked in the kitchen, you were around the flames, and so the idea of the burning flames, and you might get a little soot on your face, you know. But Cinderella, it has a very romantic vibe to it, right? And so it's like, oh, Princess Cinderella, it sounds really good. The German name is called Aschenputtel. So Aschenputtel is not a romantic name. 
In fact, it's a very dirty name. It basically is like you dirty little ash slave, right? You're covered in dirt because you sleep next to the fireplace in the kitchen, which is where the stepsisters made Cinderella sleep. That was how low she went. And so it took this dirty little ash slave some serious magic to get restored to a spot where the prince came by and said, that's my woman right there. And I will tell you, it takes some serious magic of grace for all of us to become the person that God has for us. And that magic of grace has worked, and the prince has fallen in love with us and said, I accept you as a son and daughter of God. But we still think of ourselves all too often like that dirty little ash slave, right? And so even though we've been restored into this place of honor, we still think of God as that person who's thinking, I don't know if I accept you right? We don't think of him as for us. We don't think of him as accepting us, as having lifted us up to this place of honor. Instead, we're in the kitchen scrubbing the dishes saying, I hope I can get these clean enough so that, my, so that God accepts me, right? What would it look like for us to live like we've truly been lifted up into this place of honor? To live like Christ is actually for us and actually accepts us. I think that this has the power to change us in the coming year. My second point is Christ is with us. If we read further in verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So the good news goes further, everybody. Not only does God accept us, not only is he for us, but we are actually lifted up into a place where Christ is with us. What Paul is saying is this was actually the point of the entire salvation history from day one. God longs to live amongst his people. And so if we are with Christ, if we put on Christ, as the book says, in our baptism, if we wear Christ's glory and honor that he has given us, we are actually one of his household. So another thing that I managed to do while I was at home sick during Christmas was my wife and I had a Jane Austen uh, marathon. So I had never seen Pride and Prejudice. And uh, now I have seen Pride and Prejudice and it was really wonderful uh, and changed my life. So, um, (laughs) So in the story of Pride and Prejudice, the entire narrative of the story is that the main character... She is part of a family that they stand to lose everything when their father dies. Because back in those days, to to inherit everything meant you had to be the son of the family. And so if there was no son in the family, uh, you, uh, you either married correctly or everything was given to the nearest male heir in another line of your family. So glad that things are not that way anymore. Uh, glad that we've moved on from those times. But I think that imagining a world where this idea of inheritance was maybe a little bit more important than we tend to think about it today. Today, we strive more for to make sure we get the right education and the right career. But imagining a world where the inheritance is so important, let's put ourselves in the shoes of this family as they're thinking, we are actually at the cliff where if we don't do the right thing, if the right thing doesn't happen, we're going to fall off and end up destitute. And so while I think many of us have not experienced maybe this kind of fear and anxiety, 
how wonderful is it that towards the end of the movie, all the pieces come together and everything works out for good. And I'm not going to go into too many details because maybe there's some of you who would like to watch the movie. And so go home and watch. It's really good. But in the end of the movie, it happens to be that the daughters marry the right people and they actually end up in a better place than they were at the beginning of the movie. And so the inheritance that they end up with is actually even better than anything they would have hoped or dreamed for. So if we imagine that in Christ, we've inherited something that's bigger than anything we could have ever hoped or dreamed for, that we are with him, we are a member of his household. We are a member of the royal household of God. I think this has power to change our lives. You see, I think many of us still live like we are of a status of maybe a peasant, for example. We're worried about everything. We are anxious. We're ridden with anxiety. And I don't think we're living into the reality that we are a member of the household of God. What would that do to change us? Christ is not only for us, he is with us. We are a member of his household. And so in 2024, if we imagine what does it look like to live like a child of God, like a son and daughter of God who, inher- who stand to inherit everything, I think that it means to go with confidence to the God who will provide for us. So in 2024, I would invite us to go to God with the things that are making us so anxious and nervous and trust in him. You see, if you are a child of the most high God, you don't have to worry about anything, right? You don't have to worry about the things that are so plaguing you with anxiety because you know that God has it taken care of. So what would it look like for us this year to live like we are with Christ? We're a member of this royal household. I think that this gives us both a confidence in the present and a confidence for what's coming in the future. And I think we need both. We need both the hope of what will come in the end and the confidence of what is here right now with Christ. And last but not least, my goal is to end this sermon a little bit quicker than normal today. Uh, in light of the wonderful holiday that we have, Christ is in us. So Christ is for us. Christ is with us. But this hope that we have, it's not just something waiting for us at the end. It says in verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. If we are with Christ, we not only have the wonderful hope that one day when when this life ends, we will be with him. We have the hope that he's actually in and with us now, that the Holy Spirit has indwelt us and this power of God is changing our lives here and now. If you are Christ, you have this spirit in you. And so for 2024, we must ask ourselves, as we head into this new year, do I live, am I living like Christ is not only for me, with me, but also in me? Is that power of God changing my life? Is it changing me into the person that I was meant to be in Christ? And if our answer is, no, I'm filled with anxiety, I'm filled with nervousness, I'm filled with the dirty ash slave mentality. Let's rise up out of this mentality and embrace the power of God that is in in us, with us, and for us today.
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that the story of God was always going to culminate in this wonderful truth that Christ is for us, with us, and in us. And we ask as we head into a new year that this mentality, this power, this idea would change our lives, that we would have a mentality of an emboldened, empowered son and daughter of God. Would we embrace that you've lifted us up? In Jesus' name, amen.